Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Today's show, I'm back at the home of Fawn Collette. She is gifted in prophetic poetry. She once was known as the Dog Whisperer. Today, we'll talk about love. So now on to our show. Hey, everybody. You have joined the right place. This is the Millennium Beat. I'm your host, Kevin James. I am back with Fawn at her house. She's opened it up again. I made the past the test, so she let me back again. So Fawn, we, we ended up kind of a little quickly on the last conversation, but um, one of the things I felt like you wanted to talk about is like the Lord talking to you about love. Uh, and saying something. So let's pick it up from there, and then we'll continue with your story. Okay, Kevin. Thank you for having me back. Uh, love is an important subject to me. Right. Uh, because it is the essence of who God is. Uh, I sure didn't understand it when I was young. <laughs> uh, I, love was all about me when I was young. And now I understand that it's all about him. And so anyhow, when I had discovered <laughs> that God wasn't going to agree with my complaints, uh, the list that I made uh, with all the wonderful things that I had done and all the negative things that uh, I... Other people did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that my ex had done. Um, that he wasn't going to agree with that. Um, I was heartbroken and convicted, deeply convicted. Right. And I wrote, I sat down immediately with tears streaming down my face, and I wrote, Dear Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, please wash my guilt and my sins away. Give me the strength to shun the wrong and to praise thy name with loving song. My body's like a battleground, myself a hindering force, but deep inside this fortress, my faith must chart my course. And like all war-worn battlegrounds, though victory sings her song, the soul has been so trampled down and it somehow seems so wrong. And I'm weary of this battle, Lord, that wages war within. And I beg at thee protection from my enemy of sin. Lord, though I'm not worthy, by thy grace I'm glory-bound. I just pray a special prayer of peace for this old battleground. <laughs> now, I, what's funny about that is that I was uh, in my 20s. When you wrote that? When I wrote that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I went through a lot of battles, a lot of, you know, natural battles that were mm -hmm. devastating. Right. You know, and a very unhappy marriage. Uh, I didn't feel like I was loved. And I had prayed uh, and asked God to open my womb that I would conceive a son that my ex-husband would know love. And not a real wise thing to pray, right. but my heart was right. right. And on the night that I prayed, it was uh, February the 14th, it was on Valentine's Day. Okay. And that very night, I conceived. Uh, uh, and Ricky was born um, on November the 12th okay. in 1970. And he certainly was uh, a gift of love. 
Right. It really was a supernatural conception because my ex-husband didn't think that he had could have children. Right. And so uh, we had never used any preventative. Right. And right. if you count the days from the 14th of February, the day of love, till the day that my son was born, you'll find that that was <laughs> right on God's schedule. Right. So um, we had a lot of... God showed me a lot of miracles at that time. Okay. Uh, prayed for him to get a job that was a good job, and he got a job with Chrysler Corporation and okay. and uh, had that job the whole time that our family was growing up, and, and uh, we got a home in St. Peter's, Missouri, and um, we were really blessed, but again... He loved the children. Right. Uh, he didn't love me. Uh, uh, but at the same time, this quest for love was deep in my heart. And I began to say, God, teach me about your love. Mm-hmm. And help me to not be concerned about anybody else's weaknesses. Just start building strength in me. Right. So Jesus became my my partner, he became okay. a husband to me, and his love was powerful. Um, he had given me one night, a, 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 I, again, I call it a prophetic poem, because I didn't know a whole lot right. about the Bible um, until I started asking for truth. And my cousin came and delivered uh, she was in Campus Crusade for Christ, and she brought me an American Standard Bible, New Testament, she, and it felt like God had told her she came over a 100-mile round trip wow. to bring that. The funny thing is, I had prayed the night before, I want to know the truth. Right. I really want to know the truth. I don't want a religion. I want a relationship. And uh, I don't want to just stab in the dark. Mm-hmm. I want to know the truth. And... God spoke to me that night that I prayed. And he said, if I sent my archangel Gabriel with a letter, and it was my plan for your life, would you read it? And I said out loud, Lord, you know I'd read it. And he said, I've given you my word. It's my plan for your life. Read it. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next day, my cousin shows up at my door with with the the Bible, just the New Testament. And I lived on the third floor. I almost knocked her down the steps. I grabbed it out of her hands so quickly. And I said, thank you, Kathy. And she said, I felt strongly that I was supposed to bring this to you today. Right. So um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able. I had tried to read the Bible before. Right. Uh, once I got to watch McCall begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, <laughs> it lost me. Right. And then I realized that it was a supernatural book, and I could only understand it if God opened up my understanding. So every time I read it, I'd ask God to open up my understanding and help me to pass over what I didn't understand. I'll read it, but help me to grasp hold of what I needed for the moment. Uh, God gave me a poem one night called Two Sides to a Mountain. Very, very quickly, I had... Uh, gone to bed the night before and I kept hearing in my spirit 
Shady side of Calvary's Mountain. Shady side of Calvary's Mountain. Shady side of Calvary's Mountain. The next morning, about 1030 in the morning, that phrase came to me. And I grabbed a pen and a pad and I started writing. And I wrote it so quickly. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is when I laid my pen down, I knew it by heart. God had actually written it in my heart. And that's where his plan comes in. And it's called Two Sides to a Mountain. I said, Lord, there were two sides to that mountain. There was a shady side when you were crucified, but there was a sunny side when you ascended into heaven. And so from the same mountain, from Golgotha. Okay. So it goes shady side of Calvary's mountain. On a sad and dreary day stood a crowd of angry people in a dismal kind of way. Their lives had been disrupted by a man who said he's God, and they didn't want his kingdom on their sacred chosen side. They had their own religion, certain rituals in their cult, and they wouldn't let that peasant say he knew the end result. So they mocked him, and they scorned him, placed their stripes upon his back, threw a scarlet robe around him, and his precious face they spat. Then they made a crown of sorrow, piercing thorns upon a vine, pushed it deep into his temples. Then they screamed, now he's divine. Hail, king of the Jews, they shouted. All his teachings they had scorned. And he stood there as they mocked him. While for them, their souls he mourned. He was such a faithful servant. While tribulations on him laid, he would have wished deliverance. But his father's will obeyed. So he straightened up his shoulders, prayed for guidance from above, and then he took the cross upon him, and he headed forth in love. He suffered all that man could suffer in his few years of 33, all the pain and grief and sorrow, all of mankind's misery, yet he lived his life so perfect man could never match his call. And God so loved, he gave his gift, his perfect son to all. The worst was yet to happen. The greatest burden was to be Jesus Christ, our sinless Savior, took our sins upon that tree, all our sins, past, present, future, on his shoulders they did rest. And at that time, he was forsaken. He withstood the final test, and he cried to God the Father, Why hast thou forsaken me? God must have said, Son, don't you know that sin I cannot see? For God, so pure, so holy, could not look upon that sin. And Jesus made that final sacrifice so a new life could begin. A new life deep inside us. All our sins were put away when we take the gift God gave in faith. For he the price did pay. And in that final hour, the crowd was awed as Jesus said, Father, I commend my spirit. It is finished. He was dead. But there was a sunny side to Calvary's mountain that spread throughout the land. For Christ our Lord was risen. And that day was mighty grand. He stayed to share his victory and his final witness gave. Go spread the word through all the world. That Christ alone can save. Then in all his splendid glory, outstretched arms to God above, he ascended into heaven to unite with God in love. Here on earth, Some men are searching, but there are other men who await his final promise. Jesus Christ 
will come again. And he's coming real soon. Let's get ready. Wow. <laughs> One of the things I think I want to say to the audience, because the fact that um, this is not video, it's just audio. She is not reading it from the book or anything like that. She is reading. From her memory, she is recording. And how long ago did you write that? I was about 24. She's 20, <laughs> 24. So you're talking, what, 50 years ago? <laughs> and she is quoting it like she is reading it. So I just want you guys to understand that. She's not reading it. She is re coming from her memory. And you said you're 74. 74 years old. Okay, so... So, hey, that is awesome. I mean, because sometimes we talk about, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> but you can remember your poems. And you definitely have the anointing um, when it comes to the poems. They're, they're very prophetic. They're very spiritual. Um, you know, and they're, it's scripture. They're evangelism through the spoken word, through the, the poetic. So that's pretty cool. So, All right, so pick up from there. That's all about love. It's all about love. And the thing that Paul said, the Apostle Paul, uh, has become a favorite of mine. And he said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ living in me. And so I want every day of my life to count. Uh, right now I'm facing some battles. Uh, right. I've just been diagnosed with um, a mass in my right lung. Uh, and that they say it's malignant. Uh, they also found a mass in my sinus cavities. Uh, the devil's always trying to throw a monkey wrench. Well, he wants into to stop works. your voice. That's right, he does. He wants to silence you. But I'm writing a book right now called The Jesus Whisperer. I used to be a dog whisperer. Right. <laughs> That's another chapter of my life. Right. Uh, because when my ex husband left me and he. Uh, found another woman. Um, I was devastated, and um, I really felt like it was a death. It felt like a death. Right. Uh, divorce does. It's not something God wants. It wasn't anything I wanted, and yet God says all things work together for good for those who love him right. and are called according to his purpose, and that's where... Doug came into my life. Okay. <laughs> and um, you talk about love. There's a lot of different definitions of love. Right. There's the, the natural love. There's the supernatural love, the agape love. Uh -huh. uh, but God wants us to experience love. Mm -hmm. And so when I met Doug um, for our first Valentine's Day, I wrote him a poem, and I've written one. Just about every year, we've been married 30 years now okay. uh, of our married life. And uh, it's called A New Beginning. And so I'd like to share that. Okay. Go and right it goes, ahead. dug a new beginning beckons, stirring dormant seeds to waken. A songbird calls my heart to rise from winter hibernation. And all the silence nature held with breath so icy still must once again retreat the sound. New year, new life, new will. And eager now to quench the thirst such slumber tends to bring, my cup is filled with spring-fed joy. Your lyrics bade me sing. With gentleness you cover me. With peace your love flows in. Right. And joyously I celebrate what's come alive again. 
inspired by the hummingbird while humming dare not rest. With zeal, she draws sweet nectar. With care, secures her nest. And sweeter nectar, honey, near, bloom to grace my life. I'm so proud that you're my husband. So blessed to be your wife. Seasons laced with sorrow camouflage this legacy. God saved the best for last, my love, when he saved you for me. <laughs> now, awesome. Now, that is... Uh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the other side oh, yeah. of love. But then uh, five years later, we had a, a fuss, a spat. We, neither one can remember what that was all about, but we distanced ourselves. We never really fought. We just distance ourselves, and all of a sudden we weren't talking and um you know i may not always be right but i'm never wrong <laughs> <laughs> i used to tell my kids that they didn't believe it either no <laughs> but i wrote a poem on valentine's day and it goes five long years later and it goes dug a new beginning beckon stirring dormant seeds to waken a songbird caused my heart to rise from winter hibernation and now five long years later as i think back about that day there's a voice that lies within me she has one last word she'd like to say the next time love awakens thee my weary soul doth weep shoot that noisy songbird and then go back to sleep <laughs> <laughs> that's funny it's funny so so that's the way uh married life can go uh it's blissful yeah. and and yet it can be uh, a challenge the interesting thing is that love that marriage is likened to god's relationship with us mm -hmm. with the church that's what marriage is right is that he love covers a multitude of, of transgressions a multitude and so, and it doesn't fail. Love always wins. So it behooves all of us <laughs> right. to discover what love really means. And love uh -huh. is sacrifice. Right. You know, uh, just like Paul said, it's no longer I that lives. He had to learn to die to himself right. and to his own will so that God's higher and better plans could come to fruition. And that's the way it is. God never takes anything from us. What we're willing to give him, right. he turns it around for good. And he is amazing to me. What he's done to my heart, there's been quite a few prophesi prophecies over me okay. spoken. And um, Pastor Alex spoke one probably six years ago that said God's given me a ministry of love. A ministry of reconciliation uh. Uh, and now here I am sitting at uh, the real mission and Doug and I are both living here planting seeds of love into the women that are coming here we have um, 16 acres uh, it's called the real mission and it's in place for women and children uh, who need to have a hope, a future, and a destiny, right. and need to know that God can build confidence in them, that their gift will make room for them. And so here we are cool. <laughs> working together to, um, to plant seeds of love 
what a legacy yeah uh that god's given us the opportunity to do so that's part of the love story that's cool you know it's funny thinking about how god's timing is because i don't plan these things out of you know um i wasn't planning on coming here you know to do the couple interviews and stuff like that but it's funny you talk about love because the person i just interviewed where is she now and somewhere in tennessee and she has the same miss you know almost the same mission is love i mean she had a hat that was love you know and that was the whole conversation it was love so we're, we're talking about three or four weeks of podcasting that will be talking about love and the time that these will be happening is around the christmas new year's time so it's like where the christmas came which is the greatest love the gift ever possible that jesus came because god sent his only son the son that he loved to save the world and that was supposed to be around the you know, December 25th type of time. But. Well, I really believe that he was born in September. Yeah, but. well, a lot of people do. <laughs> but it, it, I'm just saying is right now. Every day is Christmas to me. Yeah. Let's put it. <laughs> I, I wish we could leave our Christmas. I was saying that church, I says, man, it's just so nice with the Christmas tree and the reefs and the lights and the fireplace going on the on the camp, on the the television and stuff like that. I said, I wish we could leave it up all year. But I, I guess it makes it the fact that we only celebrate it with a five or six weeks. Yeah. Some people, some people wait until after Thanksgiving. So it's like real short. Uh, one year I left my Christmas tree up until mid March. <laughs> you know, I just like, I, I miss the I fact always that, keep mine up till Valentine's day. Do you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a day of love. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like it. I'm looking at your tree right now. It's, it's, um, you told me a little bit about it. It, it has, it's blue, white. It's a white tree with, um, blue bulbs and silver. Yeah, it is so pretty. It is. I would like to, like as I said, you know, if I was taking a nap or sleeping at night, just staring at the Christmas tree and going to sleep. It reminds me a lot of my youth. You know, I, I really living in Florida. I haven't and being single. I, I, in the place I live, I really haven't done a Christmas tree for for years, and I miss that. I, I like seeing the lights and stuff like that. So. All right, we got a few more minutes to close up here, um, and then we'll come back and we'll do some more. Um, anything else that you want to close up with that before yes. we, we finish? Uh, I, I did want to, um, there's, I call this season that was so devastating in my life um, with my young family and with my ex-husband leaving. Um, it, it was a devastating time, and yet... It was a time of miracles, like <laughs> right. We're all waiting uh, anxiously, the, you know, to to see the manifestation of the power and the, the demonstration of God's power uh, on this earth. And I believe we're right at the threshold of that. I believe it's going to happen any time. In the midst of all the political upheavals and of all the um, the spirit of the Antichrist, which has obviously uh, uh, hit us hard. But the Bible says when the darkness gets darker and darker, the light shines brighter and brighter to the full day. And this is a, a time of Hanukkah, a celebration of light. And um, so, so God, just to tell you that when I was preparing for a future that I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And I had two teenagers that were still at home, and I all of a sudden had the responsibilities without a partner. And um, so I studied 
uh, to be an EKG technician. Uh, I had actually gone to vocational rehabilitation uh, because I had lost my ring finger. And I signed up for some help uh, to have a career because during the entire time of my raising my family, my ex-husband wouldn't allow me to work. Oh. He wanted me to be home with the children. So uh, I didn't have any <laughs> preparation or career. And I was a typist, but when I lost my finger, right. uh, I lost the speed and the ability to do that. I went in and I took a battery of tests uh, at vocational rehabilitation. And Kyle Corns was the, <laughs> was the one, the counselor, uh, that when I went back for the results of those tests, he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but if your IQ were two points lower, you wouldn't be a plant, you'd be a rock. <laughs> and this was at a very, very low point of my life. Now, what I want to tell you is that according to the results of those tests, that battery of tests, he wasn't lying. He wasn't making it up. Uh, the, the tests were horrible. And it, it showed just a, a void of, of any kind of connection uh, I, I was scatterbrained. I was devastated, okay? And I had no value in myself at all. But I had just, get the word was beginning to work in me. And I walked out of his office, and I stood there in the hallway, and I, for the first time, got mad at the devil. And I said, devil, you're a liar. I am the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I have the mind of Christ. You get behind me in the name of Jesus. I turned around. I went back into his office. I said, am I entitled to help? And he said, yeah, but you won't make it. I said, I want to be an EKG technician. I want to go to Forest Park College. And uh, I want to get certified. And he said, fine I'll put you down so I got straight B's <laughs> in that class and then I went to Barnes Hospital um, to to complete my EKG um, studies and got straight A's and because I didn't accept the words that were spoken over me and because I began to understand who I was in Christ, uh, I got a job as an EKG technician. And I was on the seventh floor, I'll never forget it, and I heard code blue ER. And I ran down seven flights of steps, grabbed a crash cart, <laughs> and went into the ER and hooked up an 86-year-old woman who had coded at home. They had worked on her about 20 minutes at home, transported her to the hospital all together. It's about a half hour. And then by law, they had to work on her a half hour at the hospital. They never did get a rhythm. Uh, so at the end of the half hour at the hospital, uh, the doctor called the time of death and the nurse charted that time. And everybody walked out of the room. And I'm walking over halfway across the ER to go and disconnect her from my machine and to finish cleaning up. 
And God spoke to me as clear as I'm talking to you. And I didn't hear him audibly, but I heard him clearly. He said, if you don't pray for her, she's going to spend an eternity separated from me. She was 86. I stopped dead in my tracks and I thought, what can I do? She's dead. And I'm looking up at my monitor. Of course, it's flatline. My monitor is still connected to her body. And he doesn't answer me. He doesn't argue with me. <laughs> I hear nothing else. And I finally said, okay, Lord, I'll pray for her. If you bring her back, I promise to tell her about Jesus. I went over and laid hands very gently on her top of her chest. The leads were all in place. And the monitor was still on. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak life into this body. And I looked up at the monitor. And there was a rhythm. And I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> I ran out of the room and I called back the entire medical team. Come back, come back. She's got a rhythm. They all come running back into the room and I'm kind of pushed back against the wall again, watching all the hustle bustle, all the chaos, you know, everything that they right. were thinking that they were keeping her alive. Nobody knew what had just happened. Right. Two and a half weeks later, I went to do a routine EKG to discharge her. Right from the hospital and I remember she was 86 when I walked in her room I said do you know what happened the day that they brought you in she said they told me I died I said you go through a tunnel just see a bright light and she said no they just told me I died I said let me tell you what happened she looked at me misty-eyed and she said I believe what you're telling me is true something happened when I was a child and I never wanted to serve a God that would allow that to happen to a child. All of my life, I've hated God. All of my life, nobody, my friends, my family, nobody that knew me could invite me to church, could mention the name of Jesus. All of my life, I've rejected him. What I don't understand is why does he care now if I spend an eternity separated from him? And I said, he never stopped caring. We live in a fallen world. The Bible says, Jesus said, there's a thief that's out to rob, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And so you blamed Jesus for something his enemy did. Right. But he's walked with you your entire life. And he brought you back from death to give you one last chance to choose life. And Deuteronomy and the Bible it says, I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose life. And friends, this is a time. This is a time when we can't, we can't uh, put off the eternal. Right. Our toes are on the edge of eternity. We are in the last of the last days. And we have to choose life or be forever separated from him. And it's not his will that he loses one of us, but he'll never override our will. So I said to her, I said, he wants to be with you forever, but it's your choice. And she said, what can I do? And I said, just pray from your heart, this simple prayer, repeat after me, and just ask him to forgive you of, of your sin, of your separation from him. And receive him as your Lord and Savior. He'll help you with your belief. He'll help you to know him. 
And if you do that, if you ask him into your heart, he will come in and you'll be with him forever because he wants you as his bride. What, what a powerful, powerful message that was to me. And so I wrote, Raising the Dead. She looked so isolated as they rushed her through the door, her frail, thin body motionless on the emergency room floor. From the gurney to the table, underneath a massive light, the ER staff and doctors began fighting for her life. With all the latest instruments and machines to aid their task, every trained technician worked skillfully and fast. Time was of the essence, but the inevitable came. A doctor called the time of death as the nurse filled out her name. The team did all they knew to do, but they couldn't change her fate. At 86, she breathed her last, and her body laid in wait. One by one, the team walked out, and I alone remained to finish the last details and to disconnect my EKG machine. As I walked across that empty room, I clearly heard God say, she'll spend eternity from, separated from me if you don't stop and pray. What can I do? She's dead, Lord, but he didn't say a word. I knew what I was asked to do. Pray is what I heard, so I walked over to the table, her body cold as ice. I laid my hands, commanding life in the name of Jesus Christ. I looked up at my monitor as the graft began to spike. Her heart had started beating. I could hardly believe my eyes. I ran out to the hallway and called the team back in. Her heart has a rhythm. And they called the next of kin. They took her to intensive care, knowing, not knowing what transpired. Jesus brought her back to life. Her love was his desire. I never saw that kind of love. To bring her back to life, to give her one last chance at love, to choose to be his wife. Two weeks later, she was discharged when I took her last EKG. She took my hand and prayed a prayer and became my family. Cool. <laughs> that is awesome. So, well, we're going to end it there. Um, we're going to do more. I'm sure there's a lot of stories we can pull from you. So when I'm back in town again, we'll do some more. We'll do a couple more podcasts. So thank you for opening up to your house and your lovely Christmas tree and sit down with your Christmas sweater. And it's not an ugly Christmas sweater. It's a good one. So it's really good. So, well, I do want to make a plug that I'm writing a book called the Jesus whisperer. Okay. And we're getting very close to print. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I will tell you more the next time. Yep. Tell me more next time about that. We'll talk about that. So, so fun. Thank you very much for opening your house. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody else, you've been listening to The Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I will catch you guys next week, same time, same channel. God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in today to The Millennium Beats podcast, encouraging the world one story at a time. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your stories, so send them to stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957. You may find us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Please like and follow us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at www 
themillenniumbeat.com, where you'll find our last 25 podcasts, our list of our different platforms you may listen to or download our podcast, our latest YouTube videos for all our shows on the Millennium Beat Network, a calendar with past and future guests for all the Millennium Beat Network shows. Also, there's pages with pictures of all our guests and hosts. You have any questions or comments, please contact us at info at themillenniumbeat.com. This has been a Millennium Beat production, copyright 2021. The guests' views and opinions may not always be the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KindleFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kendall for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. I've counseled many families that were on the brink of falling apart, and you know, not one of them saw it coming. About 6 a.m. one morning while working the overnight shift, I stood outside the building spraying the windshield of my car. Knowing that there was not a soul around for miles, I whistled and sang out loud when suddenly I felt someone poke me from behind. Fear caused my entire body to go weak. I could barely muster up a fearful, hello. Turning around, I weakened even more as I saw my unexpected guest, a huge German shepherd. My first thought was to spray him with the hose, but no, that might make him attack me. Standing there, unable to move a muscle, both of us turned to see the side door of the building propped open. Before I could shout no, he darted inside the building. Running down the hall and taking a right turn into a conference room, I thought life was over as I watched him run circles around a glass encasement that held a model ship valued at some $20,000 that took my boss nearly three years to build. No, get away from that, I shouted. I chased him from room to room until finally coaxing him back outside with a piece of bread. Just like that dog, the devil takes the first possible opportunity to get into our homes. Next thing you know, he is running circles around our most valuable possessions, wreaking havoc, and all the while we're shouting, No, get away from that! 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And John 10.10 says that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But if we can learn to identify the enemy, we'll be better equipped to stop his attack on our homes. On the surface, the problem may appear to be rebellion, drugs, or financial devastation. But take another look and you'll see your adversary lurking underneath. So grab the bread of life and coax the enemy out of your home. Turns out, my vicious attacker was really just a guard dog escapee who was returned later that day to his grateful owners. Now, if we could just learn that that other adversary is just as powerless. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall.